Table Talks. Jacob, were you ready? You shook your head no. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rogue <laughs> Table <counted>. Talks. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Uh, episode number 30. Off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're bright and early recording. This is we new are. for us. That's right. We're in the morning. Early so, morning recording. That's why we have the deep sure. voices. I'm not sure. off. <laughs> not sure. We'll see. What are we talking about, Mr. Mike? Well, we're talking about we're in our Entrusted series and... Uh, last week we combined giving, saving, spending, uh, and so that this week we could really talk about stewardship, but in a bigger picture sort of way. Right. Like, what does it mean, including all those things, but beyond all of those things, to be a good steward, full stop, um, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What does that mean? How do we look at that? How do we approach that? Uh, and, you know, but kind of, it's very open-ended. We mm-hmm. don't really have a lot of bullet points here. We're just going to kind of talk through that. Uh, and that's sort of the plan for today. We'll see where that takes us. Yeah. This is number 30. Did we say that? I think so. Number 30? Episode yeah. number 30. That's number 30. A, kind of a big deal. It is. It seems like there should be... Fireworks, cake, or something. <laughs> anyway, we don't even have donuts. <laughs> no, we don't have anything. Nothing. Um, and so, you know, like one of the uh, one of the the scriptural references we used earlier was the parable of the talents, where people are given talents, you know, which is gold in the parable. But the sense of what did you do with what I gave you? Were you a good steward when the king returns? And that's sort of a picture of life. Mm-hmm. The context for that is what is it going to be like when you return? What is it going to be like at the end of the age? What, what is it going to be like when this is all over? And one of the questions is, were you a good steward? What did you yeah. do with what I entrusted you? And that, you know, includes money, but that's only, that's certainly only a part of that. Um, and so I guess for it to, we can maybe talk in somewhat concentric circles, but uh, when you think about your own story, your own self, your own person, your own development, how, how would you begin to think about answering that question? Yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, this is an interesting conversation because I think when we talk about being entrusted with things or being a good steward, often maybe it's just us being conditioned here in the West. We, I th- tend to think quickly transactional. Mm-hmm. I've been given stuff and I need to take care of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Right. But I think there's something deeper and something wider than it's just a transaction. I've been, you know, it's like the parable of the talents is you've been given something, take care of it. That's true. Mm-hmm. And yet there's, that's in the context of a much larger entrustment, which is, you know, to, to paraphrase Parker Palmer, it's not selfish to take care of the only thing I have to offer, which is myself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, at the end of the day, I have been given the gift of my story, my my life, myself, and uh, I've been entrusted with that. Like, and so, what are you doing with that? Yeah, what am I doing with me? What mm-hmm. am I doing with what the the really the conduit of grace uh, that I've been given, which is my mind, my heart, my body, my words, mm-hmm. like my whole self. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about Genesis one and two, I think about. Uh, and he created them, male and female, in the image of God. Mm-hmm. This uh, imago day, 
as an old Latin term just describing the image of God, that human beings have been created in the image of God and that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And what do I do with this mm -hmm. fearfully, wonderfully made fallen, but still a glorious ruin mm -hmm. creation? That's, that's the question. I'm, I have to start there. To me, I think you have to start there or the money, the stuff, mm -hmm. the other kind of entrustment. Um, it, it's easy to, to get that out of context. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, so that's, I do think we do tend to think transactionally. So when we're thinking about, let's say, my own emotional health, I think sometimes we think I should be emotionally healthy because this is what is in it for me. Yeah. Like if I'm more emotionally, it's worth doing the work to be more emotionally healthy because the return is greater than the work, which is true. I mean, that's a true statement, but I think it's, I have a responsibility to be the person God intends me to be at some level. And that involves growing in empathy and compassion and understanding um, and self-awareness and not being so brittle, angry, you know, anxious, like all of those things that don't reflect the image of God well, there's a certain talent there that I am meant to grow that is not really necessarily, you know, the transaction worked well for the people in the parable. They were rewarded, but that wasn't why they did what they did. They had a responsibility to the owner of the thing. And that's, I think, partly like with my own, like I am, I don't even own me. Like I've been given the gift of me yes, to steward. Right, right, exactly. And so it's not totally up to me whether I can just opt out of doing some sort of work to be healthier, where that's sort of an obligation, not sort of, that's an obligation that I have whether I want to do it or not. And it's not really a legitimate option to bury that talent and say, I'm good. You know, I'm not going there. I'm not revisiting that. I'm not doing that. Um, it's too much work. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to examine that. That there's a certain responsibility I have to the Lord because that's keeping me from being the person he's making me to be. Mm. And he made me to be, right? Yeah, that's good. And I don't think we think that way. That I have a I have a response. I've been given this huge gift, and I don't know that we we don't look at it that way. Like, okay, we take that as a given first of all. Mm -hmm. That I'm going to have a happy life is sort of a given in America. <laughs> right. And anything that now somebody's done something bad to me, if I'm not getting that, when no, I've been given this gift, and I've been privileged in many different ways. And yes, I'm fallen. Yes, other people's fallenness. My parents. Other people have inflicted wounds on all of that is true. And yet I have an obligation, not just for my own whatever, and not just even, and even beyond me to the people that I will interact with. So I don't inflict my fall. I have to work on my fallenness. So I don't inflict it on the people close to me that he's entrusted like family, yeah. right? The next circle, you know, I have to work on that to some degree so I don't inflict my fallenness on them. I have an obligation to them, not just to them, but to them as to the Lord. Yeah. And I just don't, that's just not something we think about, I don't think. No, I, I, don't, I think that's true. Um, and there's a lot of things 
I think there's a lot of reasons why that's true. But uh, so uh, it reminds me of Viscott in his book, uh, Emotional Resilience. Yeah. I believe that's the title. He basically said this because uh, one of the things that we do to kind of get ourselves off the hook is that we think, oh, it would be better for me if they could just change, right. if everyone around me would change, if the system changed. And one of the things he says is if even if everyone around you changed completely, it wouldn't make a difference. You're still you. You're still you. And and you're we, this is what one of the things that sin means. We are in our own way mm -hmm. of cooperating with the redemptive work of Christ. We are, this is one of the things that I think the gospel says to us. Um, it's a two-sided coin. Can I imagine being loved more unconditionally and wildly than I've ever imagined before? And can at the same time, can I admit that I am my own worst enemy? Mm -hmm. And if possible, I'm 99% of the time I'm up to something. Yeah. There's mixed motives. Right. And I'm probably going <laughs> to, I have huge capacity to make a mess of something. Yeah. Um, can both of those be completely true right. in me Right. Um, as I consider how to steward my story? Can I, can I geek out a little bit over Genesis mm -hmm. 1 for yeah. a second? Yeah. So one of the things that when we think about Genesis 1, it was written against the backdrop of the ancient Near East, the other cultures around it. Um, and there's a lot going on uh, in Genesis 1 in, with that backdrop in mind. And one of the things is this, is that uh, the image of God is not a new concept with the surrounding cultures, um, but it's presented in Genesis 1 as a completely subversive idea to the surrounding religions because the surrounding religions around Israel at the time, they would have had an image of God, but it would have been a king. It was always related mm -hmm. to the ruling king over the people. And that ruling king was in the image of their God, mm -hmm. so to speak. Almost literally. Literally. Almost. Yeah. So this, this is divinely appointed and divinely reflects who the tribal God is. Mm -hmm. Well, so... In Genesis 1, God is doing something completely different and countercultural than the ancient Near East uh, backgrounds and saying this, that the image of God is not only located in a uh, ruler, is not only located in a king, it's located in all humanity. Mm -hmm. And the image of God is not only I'm very valuable because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, it is functional. I have been entrusted to rule in some way. Mm -hmm. That's what Genesis 1, 26 or 28, I, you've been given dominion. dominion. I've been given dominion. Right. I've been given uh, a self, a story, a creation, uh, a task, a little plot of land, if you will. But there's a functionality to it on God's behalf, not on my own behalf. Stewards of the That's story. Right. We're stewards of dominion. Yeah, stewards of dominion. Not, mm -hmm. not what it turns into after the fall, which is domination. Mm -hmm. Right. right. I want to dominate everything. And we're on God's behalf. We yeah. have dominion. Vice regents, Vice as regents, some people say. As some people say, right, right. And so that's, that implies some sort of responsibility that, I mean, will we be surprised if God asks us, how did you exercise dominion? Oh, that's such a great question. Right? That's such a good like question. Like we do, I don't, we do what? what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and so there's, we have, a, we have a, we, we are much, as you, you said, you know, we're much more messed up than we want to, you mm -hmm. know, right? Mm -hmm. 
And we, you know, I don't think we can fully appreciate how deeply we're loved or how deep grace is until we go there. So, but also we're much, we're much, we're a bigger deal than we think we are in a, in a way that's different than we think. Oh, that's really good. Right. Like we, it, it is a, how I live my life is a big, it's not just my own business. Mm. It's a big deal. Yeah. Like in God's plan, uh, he, you know, he has an idea for me. He has a sense of what answers that question. Like what is dominion over my own world, mean my own self mm-hmm. in the realm of my relationships, family, mission? What does that look like to, you know, in a sense, exercise rule on his behalf? Um, to, and what is my responsibility? to be a faithful servant when I, you know, we're told to die to ourself. Um, and, and which is a very, again, and again, very countercultural message, but that, which is, I think that part of me that's more messed up, which involves me face dying to myself, isn't ignoring all of that stuff. It's actually facing it and saying, I have to say no to that. Hmm. Like I have a responsibility to say no to that. Not just because I get bad outcomes, if I say yes to it, which is true. Hmm. Um, but a lot of us honestly are willing to live with the bad outcomes. Like I'd rather live with the bad outcome and say yes to that, to that darker I think part that's of me, true. Yeah. Right. Like I'll just, I'll take that transaction. I'm, I don't love it, but I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. It's familiar. Mm-hmm. We, we do it all the time. It feels good to be angry. It feels good to whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I have this, 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 the dying to myself is not a negative thing though. It's to, so that I can fulfill this responsibility to be who he's made me to be, which is something different that I would be on my own. Yeah. That's why I have to die to my natural fallen inclinations because on my own, I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't do yeah. those things. I wouldn't fulfill those responsibilities. I wouldn't take a look at myself and say, like, why does that make me angry? Why am I anxious? Why do I care so much about what those other people think of how I look or talk or how much money I have? Or why do I care so much about that? Or why am I so jealous about so-and-so? Insecure or whatever. Like, I have to take a look at that so I can, in a sense, in a healthy way, put that to death so that I can move in another healthier direction into who he's made me to be so that I can live out the mission he has for me to live out. I can fulfill these responsibilities. Yeah. I like what you said there. You you said some things about denial and about facing yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, our just reactionary state uh, is to run away right. from those places right. that we need to start to look at and, you know, face and own and, steward we have to steward our sin right we have to right right Right. like we have to like look at those things and we have to look at how we uh, respond well or don't in Mm -hmm. those things and i I love the 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 concept of dying to the self Uh, it feels this is there's so many things that are paradoxical yeah in the gospels and in the bible so if you lose your life, you'll gain it. You'll gain it. If you right. die to yourself, you will find right. true life and true self and what all that really means. But to have a, and this is what I think, to have a healthy paradox, uh, we have to to put some guardrails on what does death to self fundamentally mean? Here's what I think it does and doesn't mean. You can push back or whatever. Um, 
it doesn't mean to die to the human gifts and human bent that God right. has given me. Right. He's Don't given turn me, off your desires. Yeah. Your dreams. And we've said that, right? right? We said the desires, yeah. the dreams, the personality, the, um, you know, the, the artistic bent or the engineer bent or the whatever thing you bring to the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the waters I swam in growing up though. It was like, oh, you're good at that. And because you're good at it, that might be getting in the way of what God actually wants to do. You mm-hmm. should probably lay that down. Mm. I don't think like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. Right. I don't think you can outgive God. Mm-hmm. You know, when God says you're good at playing the violin, mm-hmm. I think you should take that and be the best you can be if that's mm-hmm. what you're passionate about sure. doing the violin. Right. You can't say, well, I'll lay that down for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Right. But death to, but there is a death to self. So what is it? To me, it's can I die to the ever, ever ongoing impulse to manage and control my life? Mm-hmm. That I am autonomous, independent, self-sufficient, self-sustaining, and I don't need people, and I don't need God, and I don't need food, rest, or whatever. All of these, I'm going to live without limits because I am this Greek hubris. I mm-hmm. am, um, I, I can do it on my own. Right. And so there's this, can I engage with life and my story and others around me, but without management? Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. that's the move of stepping into life. That's right. And I think that's living independently is our great, the great way which we avoid this responsibility. We avoid the stewardship. We bury the talent Yeah. by saying, I don't really have an obligation or responsibility to the owner of this talent. I'm going to bury it and I'm going to live the life I was going to live. Like that I have this talent is irrelevant to my life. I've buried it. I'm just going to live the life I was going to live before. Uh, and I think that it is paradoxical in that when I'm willing to lay down whatever I would, when I'm willing to die to myself, it's then that I get the life I, I was supposed to have the life of flourishing that he wanted me to have. If I would just believe him, um, that, you know, that when I do the work to invest the talent, when I do the work to get healthier, to grow in maturity, to forgive people, to confess my sin, uh, to, you know, look more deeply at myself, to have compassion. I mean, when I do all of that work, it's, it's then that I begin to see what life God wants for me. And it's a better life than I would have chosen. Yeah. And that's invariably the case. I think that we have to die to ourselves because the life uh, that stewarding this life that God has for us is invariably not what we would have chosen. Mm. We would have chosen our own. On our own, we choose to bury the talent and do what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it, you know, for us to have the life he wants, we have to believe him. And I think that's a core element of the Christian life is at some level we have to believe that God wants the best for us, that he's not trying to get something from us. Like he's not transactional with us or if he is, he's giving us everything and, and, you know, has something for us. We just need to believe that and step into it. And then that, that I think that stewardship and that responsibility then spreads. Like I have a responsibility. There's people God's put in my life. I have a wife, I have three children, not grandchild. Um, that, okay, what is stewarding? What does that look like? 
And what does the stewardship of myself, how does that now overlap into what is the responsibility of family and how does stewarding myself flow over into being a good steward of who my family is? Yeah. And how do we usually answer that question? What is it usually like culturally what, to be a good steward of your family means what? Um, I'm, I don't, I don't know exactly. I think culturally maybe today speaking as a, as a middle-aged dad with a teenager, um, culturally caring for my family, it feels like I have to protect them from any un- discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to, oh, they want mm-hmm. the new latest yeah. thing because all their friends have the new latest thing or they didn't make the basketball team. So I've got to go talk to the coach or, you know, mm. this kind yeah. of, I'm going to protect, Be I'm going to insulate advocate them. against bad outcomes. A- exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think there's something there with the distrust of um, larger organizations and mm-hmm. larger systems mm-hmm. that in the past, uh, it seems like the parents and the teachers and the authorities were more working together to shape yeah. the hey, child. You didn't make the team. That's, that sometimes happens. That happens. And right. now it's like, the well, systems against you. Our family right. will go to bat. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> right. we'll take the whole system yeah. on. And I think part of that is just, we want good outcomes. So to try to shepherd and steward towards good outcomes that look like good outcomes from the outside. Right. Right. Um, you know, financial, stu- you know, uh, provision, uh, for families, things like that. Um, and all of those things, I mean, financial provision is fine and obviously nothing wrong with good outcomes. Sure. Uh, but it's, I think it's much like how, I think the question is much different than that. And I don't think it's, again, I don't think that's a question we often think of is how does my family see the image of the King in me? Mm. How do they see God in me? Yeah. And that's the like the first and most important thing that am I reflecting God? Am I, in a sense, exercising his sub-dominion vice regent in my family where they see love, compassion, patience, uh, forgiveness, mm-hmm. wisdom, faith, uh, devotion, mission, uh, that I have an obligation to demonstrate that to my family as part of, as part of living the life God has for me to live and shepherding and not bearing the talent and investing the talent, that that's what it looks like on an everyday, everyday basis. Yeah. And I, and I think in that to get to those places of, you know, you, you listed some of the fruit of the spirit, I have to remember in some way, even as a parent, it's their story is not my story. It's been entrusted to me to mm-hmm. some degree, but I have to let things develop in their life. Right. And I can't control and I can't micromanage. Right. Um, on a larger scale, we do this with other people. This is, uh, this is one of the movements of sin within us towards others is it, I would be okay to be me if you were. Yeah, like, I have to produce in you the right conditions so that I can be comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's the, yeah, the shadow mission of, of many families and relationships where, yeah, I have to steward my story in my family. Uh, and that is a way of allowing your story to flourish, flourish more fully. Um, and I can't control your story, but I do think that the, that it seems, you know, managing things seems safer and easier 
than actually, you know, being transformed, letting God change, uh, which is what we're called, called to do. Like I'm called to, after 20 years of being in a family to be more like God than I was before. That's an actual responsibility. And that they, and my family sees that that's what stewardship looks like. And it should, that's part of what stewardship looks like. And that's part of what, you know, what did you do with that fam? You know, did you do that with that family, with that family Mm -hmm. relationship? Um, did you fulfill that responsibility? What, what does that look like? And I think as we're talking about it, hopefully people who are listening get the sense of, wow, this is pretty all encompassing and overwhelming. Yeah. Right. It's much larger. It's huge. It's all encompassing. And yeah, you can't just decide to do it and flip on a switch. It's, it's a, a life of transformation, a, a transformational journey that we're on that overflows into every part of our life, which is basic and foundational to being a Christ follower. So we've, we've hit around this. What do you think when we're talking about being good stewards of our story, ourself, people around us, um, what do you think gets in the way primarily, um, uh, for anyone listening for yourself, for myself, what gets in the way or what hinders us from being good stewards of our story? Well, I, I don't want to get too reductionistic, but I do feel like at the, at the bottom of that, there's probably a lot of answers to that question by the bottom of, there's a few culprits that probably always rear their head, you know, fear, shame, anger, um, selfishness, the lack of, um, lack of belief that the, that God has this, I don't really trust that if I do it this way, if I delve into this all encompassing journey, that it's going to be better or that I can do it. Yeah. Like I, I feel inadequate. I feel afraid. Oh, that's good. Uh, it seems like, well, you're asking me to be mother Teresa. You're asking me to be whatever. Um, and the, 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 the fallacy of that is, actually what's God, what God is asking us to be is to be our own true selves, mm-hmm. the, the, the selves that he made us to be, that we, if we've accepted him and have received us, the selves that we will be in heaven mm. to grow into that self. And I think we don't necessarily, it seems so big, it scares us and then we're ashamed and then we're angry and then we're whatever. And I think that at, at the and then we live in a culture that distracts us from, that offers us a million distractions from, you know, what's really important is yeah. career, yeah, accumulation of stuff, yeah, whatever. And so I think that that's, it's so easy to get off in our, it's easy to get off in our culture, get off this train because we have a million other things to do, a million things to, I was going to say a million other things to think about, but really a million other things to keep us from thinking. Yeah. It's not really, um, intentional self-reflection. Right. Um, with courage and honesty. And, you know, I was thinking about, uh, sometimes we think, well, it's too risky to take that step or to do this, to trust. 
That's right. It I is. Mean, that's, that is, that actually is true. I mean, it, it is, it requires faith. Yeah. I, I think the converse of that is like, well, what you're doing every day for the next 10 years, that's a risk in itself too. Yes. That risk is everything. <laughs> yes. That we, that, that the idea that we can manage it otherwise is an illusion. Yeah. We just tell ourselves that. And I think we see, and I look at our society. So we have more money than we've ever had. No one thinks that, but we've had, we have more money that we've ever had. We have better medicine, better entertainment, um, but more exposure to the arts. You know, we have the world at our fingertips via the internet and there is more despair, more suicide, mm -hmm. more drug abuse, more, you know, self abuse than we we've ever seen mm -hmm. that we're desperately unhappy trying it our way. And yet, it somehow feels safer to try it our way. And I do think we can look around and say, I'm trying it our way. I'm doing better than those people. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what we comfort ourselves with. Yep. And it, it, but instead we have to sort of, in a sense, die to all of that. And like, what do I really believe I'm in this bigger story? And when I die, which won't be long in the eternal scheme of things that, this part of the story is like super important to the rest of the story. Yeah. And how have I stewarded it? Do I really believe that's the, that's what I'm in? I mean, you know, is right. that what I think? And do I govern my life that way? And I think most of us just don't think that. Because we're not simply talking about a story that is about me escaping one day and going to heaven. That right. that's the primary that's right. only focus. I like, punch the card. I've done it. Yeah. There's just got just got to grin and bear it for the right. next. There's a continuity between right. this life and the next. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, you said fear, like this uh, fear, shame. Trust seems like a large movement um, against all those to some degree. But there was a, a doctor from the 40s, 1940s, who uh, did a lot of studies on infants. And he came to the conclusion that, you know, infants between the ages of six to nine months, uh, you may have heard this, start to start to make distinctions between noises that it is making mm -hmm. and noises that it is not making. Hmm. So before that, it, there was no differentiation between any of the noises that heard it thought that it was mm -hmm. the infant was the world. Mm -hmm. Then it started to distinct, make distinctions from this is my ownness. Mm -hmm. And then there is a otherness out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that in that there becomes now a primal fear to say, I have to protect my ownness. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the otherness mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that on a theological level, um, then there is a, we can have a tendency through fear to build up a really strong fortress against the other, um, against people not like us, but even against the divine. Right. The God is, yeah. God is part of the other. God's, like, God's part sure of the other. About that. Yeah. And so I don't trust him. Yeah. I fundamentally yeah. don't trust that he's good with all that power. But that's the garden. I mean, I, did God really say that? Yeah. He just, he just doesn't want you to be. And I think that there's some part of that where we don't really believe him. And even, even those of us who say we believe him right. and at some level do believe him at deep down, it's just difficult in a daily sort of way that I'm going to try to do it God's way this today. I'm going to die to myself. Um, and in it, it is, I do think we tend to think of stewardship or mission or missional living or, you know, stewarding our life 
in ways that are um, tangible. Like something I do? Like something I do. Versus like something I'm becoming. Or whatever. Or it's maybe, uh, you know, going into the ministry. Right. Uh, when it's behavior. It's, it's behavior choice, or right. vocation. Or, um, and I do think, you know, it's spoken of biblically as it's all-encompassing for everybody. Mm. That, you know, you have a mission and the mission is, so I'm part of my mission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my family's part of my mission. My community is part of my mission. My workplace is part of my mission. Uh, that all of this to be the, to reflect the image of Christ in, in my church is part of my mission. My church community is part of my mission. And all of these environments is part of what it means to steward this responsibility. Mm. And I, I think we tend to think of, especially as those things get farther away from us, we tend to think of all of those things as sort of trans, like they exist for my, like my church exists for my benefit, which in some ways, of course it does, but not usually in the ways that we think. And it, it, I benefit because the presence of God is in the church yeah, and it's the place of God's mission in the world. And it's, you know, where God's image collectively is where he's worshiped. It's where the sacraments are, you know, it's where I can learn and where I can grow, where I can serve the body and serve from the body to the community and all of that stuff. But I think, um, the, the farther out we get, the easier it is to think of things, you know, like I'm not, that's an other thing instead of that's actually part of how I am in that thing as part of what I'm stewarding, part of how I am in the world as part of what I'm stewarding. And whether you work in the church or whether you volunteer in the church or whether you go in the church or a small group, it's really, those are all different flavors of the same smorgasbord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that do, and do I think of it in that way that then therefore being on mission is not optional. Like I am on this mission. Mm -hmm. Am I burying it? Or am I investing it? Yeah. That's that's the part that's up to me. At the end of the mission, I'm going to be asked some questions. We're all going to be asked some questions. Like, what did you do with this opportunity? Uh, and I do feel like that there should be a sense of, yeah, that's pretty overwhelming. And I think the the fact that we don't usually have that sense is usually it's an indication of I don't think we are always we always get it. Yeah. Like we we want to withdraw into ourness and protect ourselves against the otherness mm-hmm. and try to live our lives the best we can and occasionally do some good things, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think the, the, the problem with that is that it's actually robbing us of the life that God has for us yeah. if we would just believe him. Uh, and I think part of that's part of why we talk about, you know, stewardship, part of why money is a tangible thing that if we sort of hoard it or use it to, um, reinforce our comfort in a sense, that's a second, that's a second best thing. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not, we're living down instead of living, living up. And I think that's what deep down the reason all of this talk sort of makes us uncomfortable is we're tiptoeing around this huge thing 
that is all encompassing that we just rather not mess with. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that it's, there's, you know, we all have an obligation to ourselves to say like, okay, so then what does the parable of the talents mean to me? Like, what does it mean to be a good and faithful servant? What does it mean to exercise dominion in the way like, what does that mean? Does that mean anything? Is that just a theological concept? Yeah. Or actually, will I actually be asked those questions? Hmm. Like, will I actually be asked those questions? Mm -hmm. I think I'll actually be asked those questions in some form. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jesus seems to be saying. <laughs> yeah. Right? The king's going right. to return. The ruler's going to return. The prince is, I mean, all the, the groom's going to show up. What am I doing mm -hmm. when he gets there? It seems to be all the point of all of those parables, right? Is do I have oil in the lamp? Am I, right. you know, one of the 10 you know, what does it mean to be ready, to be faithful, to be serving, to be going, to be moving? What does that look like? I actually think those are actual questions I'm going to face one day. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I don't think I have to take that and go to one extreme of, okay, well, therefore it's my job to change the world. Right. I'm going to change it. Right. I'm going to fix it. That's just another form of oneness, right? <laughs> it's I mean, it's just another form of yeah, now my it's, ownness, right? it's not sub serving. That's right. how it's making myself God. Well, that's why Tolkien wouldn't really refer to himself and other people as like co-creators. Yeah. It was sub creators, sub -creators. like yes. underneath right. the rule of right. the that's divine right. King. Right. We are, we have the royal right. image. Right. It's all through That's the right. Psalms. You know, yeah. I reflect upon the works you've made. Who is man? You know, I reflect upon, we have the royal image. We have the royal stamp. It's being put back together because sin is a fundamental disalignment with who we've been created to be. Colossians 3, 9. Uh, God is putting the new man, new woman back together again. Right. right. So I don't have to lie anymore. I don't have to become a lie. I mm -hmm. can start to become the truth. Yes. Uh, through Christ. And so... With that, though, I start to enlarge myself, enlarge my heart to steward his story well. Mm -hmm. Say, all right, like, no, I don't have to go out and fix everything. I've been given these precious but small tasks. What do I do? Yeah, and, and they start again. They start where we started with my own heart. Yeah. Right? My own emotional health, spiritual health, spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness, fruits of the Spirit. Like nothing, nothing probably good. I can't steward anything well without stewarding that continuously. Yeah, or else it simply becomes sin management or behavior management. Yeah, That's something why I'm doing. Yeah, you know the, the passage we looked at last week with uh, cheerful giver mm -hmm. versus uh, giving under compulsion. That's why we want to be careful not to say, "Well, it's just about doing." It's more about becoming because right. you could give what does compulsion mean potentially means you give because uh, you're, you feel guilty. Ah, well, they, they told me to and I haven't mm -hmm. given. I got, I got to do that. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed. You feel like there's this pressure, mm -hmm. but it doesn't come from a place of becoming. But right. you check the box and you think you're doing it as opposed to coming from a place of this is I want to be a part of this. Right. I, I, I love to, to give, to tear off the corners of the darkness. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what we're right. doing. Right. And I think sometimes doing and becoming go together. Right. They're like reciprocal. I have right. to start to do before, but sometimes I, the heart follows. Sometimes the, the heart follows. Um, 
But I, I do think that's right, that, um, that in order to fulfill um, the, the stewardship, the, the sub-creator, the, the vice-regent, the, this, this awesome responsibility that we have, that I have to believe that um, God is my God is my ally, and He's not my He's mm. not the examiner, you know, the cold, you know, test examiner. Yeah, the questions are, what have you been doing? Right, you know, like He's He He wants to build the new man, the new woman in us, and that paradoxically involves dying to what I would do otherwise, and and so on. Um, but I I do feel like this when we miss the bigness of this is when we that's part of what leads to, I think, despair and anxiousness and whatever. We sort of, we there's this sense, I think, this deep primal sense that we're missing the point because I think sometimes we are, that there's this huge life we're given to live and I need to get busy living it. And that really does matter. Like the stakes of my life really, in ways that I don't know, they matter necessarily. And not that they count on me doing great things, but they count on me doing this work of being faithful to my story, faithful to the story within my family, within my workplace, community, neighborhood, church, world, uh, and my place within the body of Christ, for, you know, for all of that. And that's this big, huge thing that we have and I think when we, if we all could face the big, huge thing together as a body of Christ, um, I don't know. I mean, that would be pretty cool. And I think we really could um, grow in his likeness in ways that would be hard to miss in our world. And I really think that's what we're called to do. Um, and so I think, you know, entrusted, that's, that's what we're entrusted with, right? So we're going to leave it there? I think so. Okay. Yeah. With the missional focus, the missional component of the watching world may not read the Bible, but they'll read the story right. of the Christian yeah. Christians. Right. It's for me, like when I get up this morning and this morning, okay, how, how do I begin this day in such a way that matches this life I've been given? Do I, you know... Do I, it was an attitude of prayer. Is it, whatever that, what, it's going to be different for and different And I always people. have a choice. It's, yeah, right. Do I meet it with gratitude, right. anticipation, hope? Right. What is God going to do today? Despair is the spiritual disease that says tomorrow's going to be just like today. Yeah. And I think that's part of what we need to die to. It's, a, it's an everyday, it's not like a once in a, it's like a every day I need to die to, okay, I'm not going to give in to despair. I'm not going to whatever. I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to choose to step into this mission and God's going to do with it whatever he does because he's the real creator. Yeah. So we're going to leave you with that. Yeah, we said leave it there and then we yeah, went we somewhere, went some but more. now we'll leave it now there. Now we're <laughs> totally leaving it. Uh, but we, uh, we could talk about this There we leave too. you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so until next week, uh, live into the bigness of the mission God's given you. Live into the life. Believe him with a life of flourishing. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.